How you spend your money is, in many ways, how you spend your life. So how can you generate not just a return on your investments, but a return on life? Welcome to the Own Your Wealth Podcast. Whether you're a working professional, a small business owner, or thinking about retirement, listen in as host Jason Deshays of Cook Wealth discusses tax strategy, financial planning, and more to equip you to live life empowered and truly own your wealth. Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining us today for Own Your Wealth with Jason Deshays. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hi, Jason. How are you? Hey, Wendy. I'm doing great. How about yourself? Oh, it's good. It's fall. It's football time. You know, we're having a great time. I believe around these parts, you say it's fall, y'all. And that's the uh, the going phrase. Uh, I believe pumpkin <laughs> spice lattes are in the air and oh, the leaves yeah. are starting to turn. I'm not quite here. There's a lot of green still out there, but yeah, I'm definitely there's a little edge in the air that I really like, which is just like it's cool ish. It's not cold. Right. It's definitely not hot. And just like there's a smell in there too. It's like a little sweetness to it and very much one of my favorite times of year. Yeah, it's autumn and you can just smell it in the air, especially when the leaves start to turn and fall, right? Yeah, then they all fall off and then you just have giant piles somewhere <laughs> from like lush trees that are gorgeous to these like twiggy things that don't yeah. look all that appealing. Everything good must come to an end, Jason. This is correct. And then uh, spring brings anew. So yeah. it's a rebirth. A rebirth. There we yeah. go. All right. So we have a guest today who probably thinks we're nuts now that we have. Uh, this um, guest has known me for a while, so I don't think this is going to make him think I'm nuts. Oh, good, 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 good. <laughs> no, the, the judgment is already formed. Yeah, that's that's way long ago. We're way past that. But uh, this is Chris Hervishan. He's a CPA, a CVA. He owns a practice that focuses in the creative ag- agency space. It's a better way CPA. And Chris and I have known each other for a number of years, both went through the AICPA Leadership Academy, which is pretty, uh, ex- I'd say, exclusive club. But it's it's a small pool <laughs> of people have gone through that and really shows our commitment to ourselves and our, our businesses and helping others. And, you know, Chris has got an interesting practice because it is more specialized. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about today, not necessarily in the just professional services space, but businesses and business owners and is are they being specific enough in what they do and, and talk through a little about that. So, Chris, would you just kind of add a little more color to your background, your family, the kind of what brought you into owning your own practice? And we'll go from there. Sure. And I uh, appreciate you having me on the show. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, let's see. You said family. So let's start there. That's the easy one. So married, three kids, 10, seven and seven, almost eight. So boy, girl, boy, to be technical. And been an accountant for, I think this is 15 years at this point. So it's been a minute. Uh, went through ASCPA Leadership Academy. The, the whole thing is you know, folks who go through there have this like self-realization and, and as you know, and generally go and do other things. And I had already gone and done my other thing before I went to Leadership Academy. Yeah, I think you so had I, literally started, I want to say a couple of weeks or a couple of months before you went. Yeah, it was two and a half months. Uh, so I, I started my business as a side hustle back in, in 2011. And I was, what, seven years in at that point. And what drove me to go start my own firm was just I couldn't do the bureaucracy of of corporate finance anymore. I had a lot of ideas and wanted to implement and try a lot of things. And just the bureaucracy of it all, I was like, you know what? This is this is not fun. I could probably go do this for other businesses because I had been doing it for other businesses. And leverage that and you know see where it goes so that's what i did 
And, you know, we've iterated a number of times over the years. Uh, we're a team of eight at the moment. We're spread out across the U.S. We've got one international team member and we specialize in creative agencies, service-based businesses. And it's been a lot of fun. So we do the outsourced accounting for them. We do the virtual CFO stuff for them, tax as well, payroll as well. And so that's kind of where we're focused. Cool. Now, tell me when you were doing this, where did that realization that you need to really drive into a specific industry? Because let's be honest, most CPAs are generally generalists, right? It's, mm-hmm. I have one construction company and six dentists and four veterinarians and a bunch of miscellaneous stuff. And I just kind of do things for people. And and you have a very specific, like narrowed focus on that. So tell me a little like, how you went through that, why that industry, and then why you think that's the way to go. Sure. So I think the underlying thought is that you just can't know everything. It's really, really hard to know everything. And it's really easy to get in trouble if you try to pretend like you know everything and don't know everything. So start there. It was it was one of those seeds that my my coach planted very early. So I was working with a business coach eight months before I went actually live full-time with my own practice. And one of the things that he said was, you really need to niche, pick something specific, learn about that, do that, because that's how you go deeper. And that's also how you charge higher fees, which is always a good thing because you are that expert in that particular area. So I had that bug in my ear. Now, marketing agencies in particular, when I was going out and starting my firm and going full-time, I got pretty deep into marketing because I realized that I needed to learn how to do at least some of it so I can go generate business. So mm-hmm. I can literally, literally feed my family. Uh, so <laughs> I... Well, what, what this concept you have actually have to feed these children of yours, <laughs> right? I know <laughs> like, what they don't just fend for themselves, like you know, get out the get out in the backyard and start a farm. No, it doesn't work that way. So, you have to actually market your business as it turns out. And so, I spent a lot of time listening to marketing podcasts and trying things. And so, I had at least a base level of understanding. And then, from there, as it were, uh, like my second client was a marketing agency. I had done some outsource work for another firm that had one or two agencies. I was familiar with agencies. My third client was an agent and it was like, or an agency. I was like, oh, well, maybe this is the niche. Like I understood the language. I understood what they were doing because I had spent a lot of time just researching it on my own so I could market my own firm. They operate similar to how we operate. We're both professional services firms. The model is the same. The deliverable is different. The model is basically the same. And so it was kind of one of those things that falls out of the sky, smacks you in the face, and you're like, okay, well, maybe we should listen to this. this. And that's what I did. So from your perspective, and even let's say your experience, but also for someone who is starting a business, whether it's in the professional services or, or whatever the case may be, what are those kind of benefits of niching? In, or as some people will say niching, uh, depending on, I think, where you are. I'm a nicher. Uh, but where, where are the benefits of getting a niche in terms of how your business can operate? Yeah, I'm a nicher too, by the way. <laughs> there's a lot. Nichers unite. <laughs> Yeah. So in some cases, it makes it a little bit more difficult. In some, in, in a lot of cases, it makes it a lot easier. So if you have that niche, that means that you can go deeper. You just go deeper. So in what we're doing, we're providing services and we're providing advisory. So if we understand how a marketing agency works or a service-based business works, we can deploy that expertise very deeply to across clients. It also means that for our clients, that we have expertise in the field, we have data 
in the field and we have connections in the field. And so when they come to us and they say, how, you know, I really need a agency specific attorney. Well, I know one of those, or I need an agency specific, whatever. I know one of those. And that drives a benefit and that drives value to the customer. If we're driving a benefit and a value to the customer, that means that we can charge higher fees because our expertise is worth more. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a good thing. It also makes it very specific and puts guardrails around you around what you should be doing and what's important. So like if you're trying to, you know, build out a website and you're trying to target everybody, your website's got to be very generic or you've got to be very specific a large number of times. So for instance, a CPA firm, if you're going to build out a website and you're going to service everybody, you know, for SEO purposes, for marketing purposes and things like that, you're probably going to need a, a singular page for manufacturers and you're going to need a singular page for plumbers and you're going to need a singular page for marketing agencies and on and on and on and on and on and maintaining that and building that it's laborious. You're not going to be sure if you're doing it right because you don't have that deep expertise in that area. And it's more of the shotgun approach. Whereas if you can just get laser focused, learn what is really important to your target customer and really market to that target customer. It makes them easy to refine too, frankly, because you're just, you're looking for something that's specific. Well, it's like, let's say you were a law firm and you can say, well, I do uh, corporate law. Well, that's like everybody, any any attorney can do corporate law. But when you start saying, I actually only work with video game developers. I know an attorney that does that. Or I only work with breweries. I know another attorney that does that. Then mm-hmm. you're kind of the guy or the girl. Like you're the person that understands the issues of those industries and you are the th- sought after person versus just a one of the member of the whole sea of Google. The other thing is when I think that when you think I think about with referrals, the more you specific the use cases or the the kind of client profile, the easier it is to get a better fit from that kind of relationship. So if you say, okay, mm-hmm. I'm really heavily based on referrals, I need people to know exactly what I want. So I don't keep getting the random, you know, plumbing company or the person who's going to start up a LLC to do whatever kind of work. I think that really helps repeat that. And so then when you go to a a client, one of the things we're working on now internally is collateral. It's like, here, I'm going to give you something that's going to kind of outline that that client profile and, and give you that real clear picture of the person that we really do well. And that's the person we can collaborate the best with. It makes delivery easier too. Like think about the way that we deliver services and what we deliver. You know, if I'm going to have an advisory, if I'm going to have, let's just say I'm going to have three advisory conversations today. Well, if my first one is a marketing agency, and then my second one is an HVAC company, and then my third one is pick an industry, I've got to jump mentally from those three things, which are very, very different. And it's, yeah. it's harder and it's more exhausting. So there's that, you know, something like bookkeeping, where we've got a standardized chart of accounts. It's super easy to bring on a new customer that's in our niche. We just roll out that chart of accounts and we've got automation that's built on that chart of accounts. We've got automation that's built on that industry. It makes it much easier to onboard clients. And- Whereas if we have to re- recreate the wheel every time, it, it's it's much more time consuming. It's much more difficult. There's a lot more brain power that's got to go into it. Well, and and when you think about that too, it makes it where everything's a little more unique. A lot of variability mm-hmm. and variability is hard to work with. And I don't think... Any business owner under like really realizes that until they're in it. And then all of a sudden, you're like, wow, I have to switch my brain a lot. My systems aren't fully aligned. I have to do this for this one person. And I got to do this thing for this one person. And I think having that surety and certainty and this is how we deliver. 
it doesn't mean there's not any sense of customization to that because some situations are u- unique, but like you're not leaning into everything is unique because mm-hmm. really it's not, especially when you start getting into an industry. Like if you're working with dentists, dental practices kind of look the same when you have your specific like idiosyncrasies within your practice and orthodontists are a little different than endodontists and, and general dentists. But ultimately, if you know those industries, the tweaks are real minor. And you can have a model that's really easy to adapt versus, okay, I'm going from the HVAC company, the marketing company to a law firm. So what would you say to the idea that if you take your business and you niche down, oh, it's going to take forever to grow. It's going to be so slow. I'm not going to have enough clients. I'm not going to get the thing I need to do to make my business scalable. What's your opinion on that? It's a really good question. That was not my experience. I'll put it that way. It's And, it, and, and my thought on this has changed just because of where we are economically and the experience that we've had in the, agent, in the agency space recently. But I'll tell you, like when we first niched down, I mean, our growth rate on average for the first three years was north of 100% annualized. I mean, that wasn't that hard to grow, <laughs> to be honest. Good. Yeah, yeah we that. did. Yeah, we did. Okay. Now here's the drawback is that we're, now we're in sort of a weird economic period and agencies are like the first ones to get cut. So it, you know, our focus has shifted. We, with most of our agencies over those first couple of years, it was high growth mode and that's a lot of fun. And then it shifted into, all right, like cash flow management mode and let's stay alive mode. And agencies are the first ones to get cut and it gets a little bit weird. And then that weirdness translates into our biz dev and, and things like that. So that's the drawback of niching down is if you're in one specific industry and that industry starts to struggle, you're probably going to start to struggle too. So that's the drawback. But as far as, hey, if you're going to move into an industry that's growing steadily, uh, growing rapidly, you know the economic outlook for that industry is pretty good, then you're probably not going to have much of a hard time growing so long as you do it the right way. So long as you learn to speak the language of that industry, so long as you really develop deep expertise, so long as you develop relationships, so long as you drive value, they're going to be fine. It's it's just one of those mental hurdle, hurdles that you kind of have to go get over and just make sure that you're in the right place at the right time, which is, you know, there's some luck to that too. Yeah. I mean, sometimes if you're going to be like, I'm going to be the, yeah, the creative team, especially on a, we're on the upside of an economic cycle where that's now becoming a big in, uh, investment point for firms. Yeah. You could be doing great. You also have times where someone wants to get into certain types of industries that didn't exist before. Man, that works out okay. But I think the thing that I've, I appreciate your context on that because I, I do think you've got a higher, higher upward potential when you have the niche because you're really narrowing it. You got higher fees, a more purposeful client. I think your conversion rate has to be better too because you're from someone being a prospective client or customer to an actual customer. It's going to have to be a higher rate because, wow, I'm getting exactly the kind of person who knows who I am. I'm not just kind of shotgunning it and looking for someone who can just do the work or get my product or whatever, you're going to find the one person who's going to be excellent at that. So I imagine you probably have seen higher conversion rates on your end in particular, like once that person gets introduced to you, it's not as hard of a sell. Yeah. By the time they they get to us, and you know we've got a lot of content out there. The, our, our sales cycle is actually pretty long if you really look at it. Mm-hmm. From when they first visit our website, the amount of content that they look at, to when they actually book a discovery call, this the sales cycles. I mean, it's kind of long, but by the time they get to that point, they're pretty much sold, right? And our conversion rate is is fairly high, I think. Anyway, you know, that's not the important part. It's not just the conversion rate; it's the conversion rate of the quality of the customer. So, so it's a higher, in- it's a higher caliber quality customer. So the conversion is not just yeah, it happened. It's a yeah, this is a really 
right fit kind of client that we want. Right. I mean, our conversion rate could be 100% if we really wanted it to. And the way that we would do that is <laughs> we'll we take anyone with a pulse. <laughs> we'll take anybody with a pulse and then we'll lower our fee to whatever point gets them to convert. And that's yeah. not what we do. We're, yeah. we're very specific. We've got package services. This is what they cost. This is what we're recommending for you. And that's it. Right. But those customers, they've, they've seen it on our website. They've ingested our content. They know that we're experts in the in their particular niche. By the time that they book the discovery call, it's really kind of a fait complete at that point. But it's not so much the conversion rate. It's bringing on the really good fit customers, the ones that you want to work with, the ones that will pay your fees, uh, the ones who appreciate what you're going to do, and the ones that you can drive value to, because that's important too. So I want to lean a little bit. We've mentioned the package pricing, and I think that that applies for services, especially, uh, especially on the professional services side, where it's historically been a very inputs equals output slash bill. You're, and, and you're not the only person I've heard talk about those kind of packages. I've heard that with other providers who deliver into other industries, like the brewery industry was like, no, this is the fixed fee. And they don't spend a lot of time trying to manage variability. So it's not like, well, your fixed fee is you know A, B, and C, and this person is X, Y, and Z just because of different scope. Is that do you think that's a perk of getting really into the industry that you don't have to necessarily overmanage that kind of stuff? Well, you can say, here's the package and this is what it is for firms. Do you mean that the package pricing is a derivative of being niched or other way Correct. around? Correct. That, that, that right. you can have a, a more, I say like, this is the fee, not necessarily this is your fee, but this is the fee. And someone could come and look at that and see, you know, yeah, if I go work with this firm, this is what I'm going to pay. I'm going to pay this X dollars because that's the kind of work I want. Not that I got to call and get like special pricing based on the, mm-hmm. always the call for pricing. And you're like, okay, I'm not going to call. Just thoughts on that. I'm always curious to hear different providers' perspectives on trying to manage to a customized price versus a price that is kind of for the kind of work they're going to do that's very transparent. Right. It's an interesting question. I think that if you're going to customize everything, so if you're going to have package pricing, do packages. Don't do everything as a one-off and don't do everything as a starting point. That's just been our experience. And honestly, that was more employee-driven than it was customer-driven in us kind of just putting our putting our foot down and saying, look, this is the package because this is the package. We put a lot of thought into putting these together. The the things that are included, so the services that we're going to provide are coherent. So they make sense within the context of each other. And these are the things that will work for a business like yours in our experience. And when we, and we've all, cause we've always done tier pricing, but when we did tiers and when we customized all the tiers, it made it, after we grew to a certain point, it made it almost unmanageable because it's like, oh, what do I do for this customer again? And especially in a deadline driven business like ours, when we have various deadlines throughout the course of the year for compliance purposes, it makes it really, really difficult. You're doing mental gymnastics all the time to figure out like, oh, am I filing a sales tax return for this person this month or not? And they're in this tier, but I'm not doing the sales tax return, but this other company is also in this tier and I am doing a sales tax return. Like, how does that work? At a certain point, that becomes almost unmanageable. Yeah. Now, do you have to be in a niche to do package pricing? I think no. I think that if you're niched, then your packages are going to look a little bit different and you can be a little bit more specific because you know that those things are going to work for that niche. I think if you're going to be a generalist and you're going to do package pricing, which I think is the way to go, regardless of whether you're a generalist or in general. Yeah, exactly. If you're going to be a generalist, you just need to be a little bit more careful around how you put together those packages and much less specific, I think. I think that that's one of the drawbacks. How does this affect your team? So, you know, you've seen this with your practice. I've heard other 
practice and say, well, no one wants to only work with dentists or no one only wants to work with uh, attorneys. I'm going to get bored with that. I, I would challenge that is that that being real specific in a business and, and who you serve has to, from an employee slash team member perspective, give them a little bit more like comfort that they really know what they're doing. And it helps kind of elevate that uh, learning curve, gets them connected with the client base to kind of understand it better. What are your thoughts on that? I think that that's generally true. I haven't had any feedback from any employees with the exception of one who basically came into the firm, said this is too different than what I'm used to. And it's not for me. That's fine. Fair enough. I have never had that feedback from any of the other employees though. I think generally speaking, employees are going to be more focused on finding meaningful work. I think that if they feel as though they are driving value for that customer, and if that customer is pleasant to work with, then it's probably going to be okay. Mm -hmm. You know, I think any, regardless of it's what industry it's in or what you're used to or comfortable with or whatever, if you're working with people who aren't pleasant to work with, who don't appreciate what you're doing, uh, that you're not driving value to, you don't feel like you're getting value out of the relationship both ways. They're just not going to be fun to work with, Mm -hmm. right? It doesn't matter. It's going to be more about the customer and how good of a fit they are for your firm and your culture, I think. Well, and I think that the things I think about is like, it's so hard to keep track of if you're providing services to a specific, to any, anyone, right? You got to kind of keep abreast of everything. When there's things Mm -hmm. that are happening in the market or there's things happening in the economy that affect people differently, it's really hard mentally to keep track of all that. If you're really refined to a specific niche and say, I need to keep pulse of what's happening over there and how do these other things I hear affect that, it's so much clearer and your headspace is more free where you can go, oh, there's an opportunity here. Or hmm, we're going to probably have to get ahead of this because, yeah, we're going to see this economic downturn here and it's going to affect us not on the front end. It's going to affect us six months in. So we better be ready when that six months hits. And you understand that better. And I think that's for team members, it gives them a little clarity of how to focus. And I, because I've, I've been a journalist, my old practice in New Mexico was very, we had certain areas where we had concentration in the client, we never had a niche. And man, it was hard. So hard to just be like, I don't know. Let me read that new budget bill and see, figure out how of these, this chunk affects these 20. This one affects this one here. This doesn't have anything to do with anybody, but I got to read it still. There's just a lot that's so hard to keep track of anymore. And business has gotten more complicated. And a lot of things that you never would have thought these two things connected, they sure do. I just don't, I really, I love this concept of niching down and no matter what business you're doing and really refine your customer, refine who you serve and how you serve and being real true to that. I think it has a lot of power for everybody. 100%. And one thing I'll add to that too is niching down doesn't mean that you're going to work with one specific industry. It can be one specific business type. So service-based businesses is not an industry. That's a business type. Mm-hmm. Or you know, firms that are a certain size because firms that are a certain size have certain you know issues or firms that use specific software or whatever it is. Like you can, it doesn't have to be a specific industry. You can niche down into a bunch of different things. Um, I like that. I like you delineating that because I think some people, especially as they're starting this process, if they want to look in that, it's going to be harder for them to say, oh, I really want to work with only attorneys that have five people or less that's practice in these two practice areas. That's a really hard, that's a very like advanced concept there. But getting into service businesses, it still eliminates a lot of things, right? So you're not going to do a manufacturing company. You're not going to do 
um, a construction company, you're not going to do a nonprofit per se. You're going to focus mm-hmm. on this thing, which is still a pretty big pool of of clients that you can work with. But it's not getting in the weeds on other stuff, which it's like, yeah, we're not we're not good at that. I, I think the also the intentionality is choosing who you want to work with versus saying who you won't work with. I remember our old practice. We we said we don't do cons- we don't do audits and we don't do nonprofits. And that was like the don't do's, <laughs> but we do everything else. And it's like, well, that doesn't really, that's so wide. That doesn't really tell anyone a story. It doesn't really give a referral source any sense of what you really do. Right. So it's, it's like choosing something versus opting, uh, uh, doing the opposite, just doing, not doing something. I think that choice is really important that you're doing this because you want to. 100%. And start somewhere. And if you want to niche down further from there, niche down further, but just start somewhere. So dig your first hole and then have the hole go deeper and deeper, as you know. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> well, okay. So Chris, what's the one, if you had to give, like kind of leave our audience with one piece of advice as it's kind of in the context of this conversation we had, what would that be? The one piece of advice would be to look at it seriously and don't be scared of it. A lot of starting to niche down, whatever that's going to be, a lot of that first hurdle is just getting over the fear of niching down. And I'm not going to be able to grow. I'm not going to be able to be profitable. I'm not going to be able to dot, 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 fill in the blank. The biggest piece of advice that I can give is that just start. You have to get over that mental hurdle somehow. And you don't have to do it all at once. So you don't need to take your business from completely non-niched to firing every client or customer tomorrow <laughs> and being on list. You yeah. don't need to purge, right? You can do it one step at a time, but just just get over the fact that you're going to have to change your branding, you're going to have to change your messaging, you're going to have to change your positioning and just work at it and chip away. It's not it's this is one of those room wasn't built in a day sort of things. And it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be built in a day. Okay. But that's the big advice. You have to get over that mental hurdle. Everything else will kind of fall into place after that. Excellent. I Always appreciate your counsel and your sage wisdom, Chris. And well, that's very your much. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is why uh, I could tell you a funny story about essay and a, uh, having to share a room in uh, where was it? Boston. Because, Boston. We, know, we should probably we, skip that one. We should probably skip that one. That was the two cheap accountants going. This is like five hundred dollars a night. I'm not interested. Kind of uh, room, but anyway. Uh, Chris, if someone's listening and go, man, I got to talk to that guy. I have this creative agency and I really need someone to help solve some problems. How do they get a hold of you? Sure. Best way is betterwaycpa.com. Excellent. Well, Wendy, why don't you take us out? Well, I think Chris, a man of very few words, um, especially when it comes to rooming together in Boston, which is probably the best idea, right? <laughs> Jason, how can people get in touch with you if they have questions? They can go to cookwealth.com slash podcast or call our office 919-784-9100. And thank you for listening today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the Own Your Wealth podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at cookwealth.com or give us a call at 919-784-9100. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Cook Wealth Management Group, LLC is a registered investment advisor with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. 
The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Cook Wealth Management Group, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.